0: Leonardo was a great Italian. And that was our name originally, Leonardo. But many years ago, when my grandpa came over from Sicily, they changed it at Ellis Island to Leotardo. Why did they do that for? Because they're stupid, that's why, and jealous. They disrespected a proud Italian heritage and named us after a ballet costume because they're stupid that's why welcome my friends to cut to black a Sopranos sit down my name is jim scampoli and i've seen every single episode of the sopranos
1: my name is jacob burrows and i've seen 79 episodes of the sopranos uh we've come all the way up now to season six episode 14 stage five a lot of numbers there can you help me straighten this up jim who put this thing together
0: this episode was written by Terrence Winter, that's the name you've heard before, uh, and directed I by have. Alan Taylor, which is another name you've heard before, so yes, uh, we're, we're, we're getting down, the, the episode count's dropping, so I'm sure a lot of the writers are like, give me an episode, get me an episode before this, this thing's done already, Jesus.
1: I didn't get my Emmy yet, she got her Emmy, where's my Emmy? <laughs> yeah, where's my
0: Emmy, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Uh... Oh, and it aired uh, April 15th, 2007, Very good. Very good. So in,
1: uh, I'll mention this, even though it's later in the episode, in this episode, we have what I presume to be the very last iteration of Tony Soprano going down to get the newspaper. And (laughs) it is kind of a meta moment when he says like, no more, like, uh, where it's like, it's, he says he's never going to do it again. But I bet it's the last time it happens in the show, uh, because that would be such a thing that they would do. Uh, he's annoyed that he runs into the FBI agents down there, but that's not really central. What's central is it's a bit sad that we've gotten to this point, but it's I, I feel all the richer for it all the same.
0: Yeah, last time getting the paper, it's too dangerous. Has been for years, uh, and I, I I don't I think that might even be more meta because I feel like that might even have been something people were saying like whether it be the online discourse or critics like what he's Tony's so exposed Uh, (laughs) that's the perfect (laughs) spot for a hit or whatever Uh, I mean we've seen him in the past remember when he's afraid even going back to season two when he walked out and he got a little spooked because then a big pussy rolled up Uh, he thought maybe he was gonna get whacked but yeah it's too dangerous that's the last time getting the paper Um, so all good things come to an end uh, that's another. just well, yet another speaking sign. Th- speaking <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Yes. No, sorry. I was just going to say, speaking of things that are meta, uh, I mean, the way that this episode opens, Jim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to give credit to it because uh, it's like garage. You got a Baldwin walking in and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, there's a Baldwin in this now. Who's this character that we're only just being introduced to? This is so, and i I had the actual thought, this doesn't feel right. This feels like it's from some other movie or a TV show because it's got a different vibe to it. And I was like, who directed this? And all these thoughts are in like 30 seconds before it is revealed that it is in fact <laughs> <laughs> Cleaver. And it's such a great reveal because uh, we've heard about it for so long and seeing it, like who would have even thought that it could ever actually happen, but it has actually happened. Um it was kind of a comp- – yeah, it was like we see this maimed person uh, hung up on chains, but it was kind of more the way it was shot and put together that made me go, like, this is not the Sopranos. I thought I opened a different file yeah. um to watch it. So uh, that was very well done.
0: Yeah, yeah, because even like stylistically and just the, even the, the lighting and the grading and stuff like that. And then, yes, it all becomes clear. Uh, this is some sort of horror movie, and if you remember Christopher's project, Cleaver, uh it's it. You know, you did it, you did it, Chris. You made a movie finally. Ever since the, you know, remember those days when he to throw he threw away his computer, but he he stuck to it, and here we are, executive producer. And what you
1: just said can be taken as like uh you know it's it's not the best movie obviously but like i still when tony says to him like you did it you made something i've had that feeling before and i've never even made a feature and i'm honestly like good on you chris you done did something
0: (laughs) yes absolutely uh so yeah they're in the what the like the edit bay or whatever they're watching a cut we get carmine little carmines there uh we have the guy with the cleaver uh, hand. He kills his boss, and I guess that's where the movie ends. That's <laughs> gives <laughs> yeah. it a cleaver to the head. Oh, and then they have the shot of the uh, I uh, the cross and the I guess keychain. I, now I didn't know this. This is on the Wikipedia that I guess that's the same keychain that Furio got for AJ in uh, when he went to Italy or came back from Italy or something like that. So it's a weird uh little detail, but that's what that's what i'm told i i don't know i didn't double check it but that's what i'm told yeah it's
1: uh well the thing is it's got like uh the divine and the propane so yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: um yeah i mean so uh i didn't study it too closely but I love that The Sopranos gets to play around with this type of scene. And the whole way through production, it's been great when they're, like, pitching it and all these different parts. But this is one of them, when they get to talk about the film and they're in the edit bay, like you said. And, like, I can't make out all of the stuff on the walls, but one of the things is a poster for a film called Night of the Panda. Um, <laughs> and it's, like, a horror font. And it's, like, clearly, like, this is not where we make Scorsese films this is where we make this kind of films and I I kind of love how everyone is on board with what they're doing and what they're going for um and yeah it's just a fun uh, fun atmosphere and and uh Christopher does understand some things about filmmaking now because he's like they're, they're talking about how they want to add a scene and he's like fuck there'll be two more days of shooting yeah <laughs> and he actually knows something uh so this is all pretty fun
0: yes i think there's even one of the guys says um you know this could make more money than the pornos we make so <laughs> yes i love that <laughs> uh and then yeah tony calls about like some air mattresses or whatever some other crime that he needs chris involved in but of course chris you know chris is in his movie right now and Uh, just kind of another show of like how Tony doesn't fully get it. And if he's not like fully supportive in the way Christopher wants, it's just kind of another disconnect because this has always been one of his passions. And Tony of course is like a surrogate father for him. But yeah. So from there we move. uh, Johnny sack. Seems like we haven't seen him in a long time. He's in prison and he's not looking great. We find out that he's, uh, been fighting cancer in jail Uh, I guess much like, um, I mean, I guess it's not that that Junior was in jail that long, but I don't know. You just start withering away once you're out of sight, out of mind. It just reminded me of like when Junior was going through his legal stuff, and then things like health-wise became real, and he started deteriorating. We check in with Johnny Sack, and he's kind of going through the same thing. We find out it's stage four, and he's given uh, basically three months to live. Yeah, give or take. And, uh, yeah, and he says,
1: like, he started exercising and eating right and everything when he, he went inside. And uh, what was the point of any of all that? And yes. uh, meets uh, meets the family, meets Ginny. And, like, we've seen a... Even though, obviously, Tony and Carmela, their relationship is very central to the show. Even though he's been an antagonist for a lot of it, we've seen a lot of Johnny's relationship with uh, Ginny. And we see even more of it here. And with his family. And, like, Johnny was, like, this... Cray, cray, uh, like trigger happy, as is brought up by his brother in law, type, like trigger happy guy for a long time. And now we just get to watch him and his family. Um, mourn his slow passing and go through the stages of grief and I'm like, this is very Sopranos because this character could have been shot in the head a few seasons ago (laughs) and it's like they go, well, how about we make you just hang out with the character for a few seasons and then you kind of watch him die of cancer instead. How about we do that because we're the Sopranos?
0: Yeah, and especially like the added like, uh, you know, he's in prison so the extra part of not only just getting that news but having like guards that are sitting there they have to be in the room yeah. so they're getting it and then you have to take the ride back and they're like oh how are you doing it's just some guy <laughs> and then also like you're seeing how uh, you know regular life goes on as you're being brought back into the you know prison that you need to be in and then when you need to talk to your family about this news and, you know, you get yelled at for physical contact, it's, uh, it's, it's all like, you know, when it rains, it pours, I guess. It's all really rough stuff for poor Johnny Sack. I mean, maybe if he didn't cry. None of this would have <laughs> happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I, I think it is the same um, marshals or whatever that actually ripped him away from his family at his wedding are uh, also yes. the ones who are like, hey, how you doing with the cancer? So that's fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's also like he, there's other people also clearly like in like dying or in wheelchairs because – yeah, you go, you go to prison, and then you just get old and die. So, <laughs> great. Great job, uh, everyone involved. Uh, it's a bit rough, and it is, like, so we stay with him for a while. Like, it's it's a fair bit, and then we cut back to the Sopranos just eating dinner. They don't even know. They don't even care. It's, like, it's a great way of, uh, I don't know, it, it, just those few scenes makes you go, like, oh, Tony's really lucky. Too bad he's so, you know... Uh, such a dick to everyone around him,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does like, and I guess that that could be said about anyone, like you you don't yeah, you yeah. don't realize like how lucky you are in a lot of cases and and I know it's all relative, but you know more often than not, you get caught up in your own kind of bullshit that's not a big deal but it seems like such a big deal uh, and he does Bo-cho. after his family leaves he does you know hey fuck it he, can I bum one of those Siggy <laughs> butts <laughs> what the? Heck? who do I care I'm on oxygen I might as well smoke a little bit here uh, yep did I, I think I was gonna say uh, Breaking
1: Bad stole this but they clearly I mean I don't think they did uh, it's just it's probably just a thing that happens like when you find out you have like the worst cancer you're either gonna stop uh or well stop or start smoking whichever one really because it's like your, your life is out of your control and they even go into it in the episode but in breaking bad there is a scene where he finds out he has cancer and later he's like i would like to smoke some weed <laughs> or whatever because he never <laughs> yeah. smoked in his life and then like oh what the fuck
0: yeah um, fuck it um yeah. and then yeah back to the dinner uh we do get some information here we I, we find out finn is now out of the picture uh, uh so yeah. yeah hell yeah see you later you piece of shit <laughs> but we will not be talking about that much like
1: what is it that she says uh meadow like uh oh i i shan't be talking about Finn. Yes, but something yeah, something along those yeah. lines yeah uh, i feel similarly let's just not
0: <laughs> uh they're talking about the cast and crew screening that's going to be coming up aj makes a comment about wanting to meet celebrities Uh, I love how, like, Blanca is just, like, annoyed with AJ through this episode, but they never really, like, follow through on it. It's just kind of, it just feels like a real relationship thing. I'm sure it would just be annoying to be in a relationship with AJ, but you also get to go in that nice jacuzzi and stay in that nice house sometimes. So maybe that's what uh, the ends justify the means. Uh, Oh, I like that there's that quick moment where Tony has, like, indigestion, and almost everyone's like looks at him like he's about to die
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point yeah yeah and with blanca it's like he says like oh it's gonna be cool to hang out with celebs and she's like what so you can sleep with paris hilton and he's like what yeah (laughs) and yeah everyone's like did you have a fight um he's like yeah like you said it's not really it's not really explained at all it's just like just checking in going like yeah things aren't all jacuzzis and and pool parties uh in the soprano house and aj's still gonna be aj uh when you wake up the next day so you know it's only gonna be so good
0: yes yeah and then we meet um the orderly uh uh warren is it warren feldman he's played by so. he's played by sydney pollock who is a director sopranos likes to do that because also elliot um uh, Melfi's psychiatrist is played by Peter Bogdanovich, who's also a director. Uh, Sidney hmm. Pollack did uh, pass away from cancer like about a year after this episode aired. Um, oh, wow. He directed Tootsie and uh, uh, what was his? Oh, Out of Africa. A lot of these movies I've heard of that I've never seen. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know the name. I definitely I, I know the name. And when he showed up, he, I did recognize him. I was like, wait, who is this guy again? He's someone. And he was someone
1: yeah i may have recognized him and i not that i knew but he was the father of will on will and grace just saying
0: oh and 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 my even though i know it's the sopranos and we talk about this a lot that on the sopranos you start to learn like not to look for certain things that other tv shows might do but even though i know that in my head i'm thinking like is this guy just a liar and he's like giving him bad advice or he's, he's one of those orderlies that smothers people in in the hospice or whatever. Like, I'm. I can't help get even though I'm like no, that's not gonna happen. That's not what this show is. But all I'm waiting for the big reveal that he's just a crazy orderly, and then he grabs a pillow and smothers Johnny Sack or whatever. Or you find out like, oh, he's not a doctor at all. Uh, you know, he's a crazy person, and he gives yeah. people the 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 worst advice ever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he starts playing a part through this because he is a oncologist who killed his cheating wife and, what, like an unlucky mailman that happened to be there and, like, her aunt or something like that? Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, you're right. It's like you might expect something different, but he he kind of says when he's introducing himself, changing the sheets, like, uh, let's get this out of the way. Killed her aunt too. Killed the mailman, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm not allowed to say stuff, but he is obvious. I, I would say he's more... Um, it's so obviously more uh, experienced, just from his age, um, than the kid doctor they call Gupta. Oh, yeah. um, but there's also this like high end cancer expert who talks at uh, presentations and has looked into this case, and he gives uh, an estimate of three months. And this guy comes in like, ha, nah, I'd say he would be fine for years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, 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 at no point do I think he's a liar, but he's also just like. He doesn't know the facts as much, and he he does clearly enjoy being, well, not enjoy, but, like, he wishes he could be more of a doctor, but he enjoys at least having some influence on what's going on in the medical department and, he you know, getting to talk about that in the same way that, you know, mobsters on the inside would tell stories about that and and use that in in a way. It's like he, he gets some connection to that at least
0: yes yeah it's like uh uh, like his previous life before being in prison you get a taste of like what you were outside um so yeah it's an interesting character and kind of just like an interesting like through line through this episode and especially the way like uh johnny is telling these like mob stories now i mean i guess it is kind of like this hey fuck it i'm dying anyways because it it just seems like such a thing that everyone would really geek out about he's openly telling stories about carmine but then i guess again i guess carmine's dead so it's not like this evidence is going to come out or whatever and it kind of ties in in a weird way to where we see phil by the end of this episode where he's thinking like he's got regrets for keeping his mouth shut doing 20 years for what uh so you know this 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 whole episode, I mean, obviously, death is such a huge thing through this whole episode. And then, like, a strong um, feeling of, like, legacy and, you know, what do you leave this world as you get closer to to your death? Uh, Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what Sopranos is always, that's always been there. For sure. I also thought when he was telling stories um,
1: about the mob days... I also thought they were gonna do like a TV thing that they obviously didn't do, but I I thought when they had like this mob expert on TV, uh, I thought that was gonna be something building up to. Uh, this is so stupid. I can't believe I thought this. But yeah. the Johnny Sack would like write his tell all tell all memoirs or something so that he would get some money to leave his family. <laughs> That's such a stupid yeah. idea yeah. that if they pitched that in the room, I'm glad they shot it down. Uh, but just the fact that he's telling this and it's like, "Whoa, everyone's super into it." It's like and we see people are into it on TV. Everyone loves hearing mob stories. So like if he, obviously that would be bad, but even, maybe if he only wrote about dead people, you know? Uh, he still is going to die anyway, and he might leave some money for his family. Uh, but they didn't do that because they're better writers
0: than I am. Well, no, I mean, yeah, like you're bringing up your bad idea. I had the bad idea that The Orderly was a secret. Kill ourselves (laughs) (laughs) man we should write a
1: show which reminds me in this very episode let's do some integrated marketing here jim in this episode they try to sell cleaver as what is it it's something meets something isn't Um, it like
0: saw meets godfather right yeah yeah maybe not in this episode they mentioned that but at least in previous episodes they've called it that
1: yeah So, like, we uh, do a podcast called Blank Meets Blank where we draw two random things, and we create something that is ridiculous. Like, we come up with a bad idea. That's what you just heard. Magic at work. Us coming up with bad ideas. We're great at it. Um, But then we make that into an actual thing, and by an actual thing, I mean a podcast episode where we outline the plot of it. So we just brainstorm a whole show in uh, each episode of Blank Meets Blank. We have five episodes out right now, and we're taking a hiatus to produce the rest of those. Um, So if You're interested at all. I mean, you're probably sick of us shoving this down your throat, (laughs) but please do give it a try. Search blank meets blank on your podcatcher of
0: choice. Absolutely. And please rate and review. That's a great call out. Um, But yeah, yeah. Then we have the scene you were talking about, where Tony goes to get the paper. Agent Harris rolls up with um, the guy from House of Cards. <laughs> I've read, I've yeah. Guessed.
1: Well, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, there's like he he like looks around because he was just told last episode that they're building a RICO case or whatever, and. Uh, so he's expecting like maybe this is it like they said last episode is this it maybe this is it but it isn't they're just there to chat and tell the same terrorism uh, story same anti-terrorism story that I've heard before and it's been going on for a long time now yeah. and I still don't believe that anything will come from it so there you go yeah I stand by that
0: yeah I mean I guess part of it they do like in a not-so-subtle way they're like yeah you know we approach Christopher with this yeah. So I don't know if that is almost also uh, insinuating like, oh, what Chris? What else is Chris talking about? You know what I mean? Like I don't know if that plants that seed or not. But anyways, Tony. What? Tony's also very upset because now it's like I'm not getting that paper no more. You tell that Pollock to get here early. Uh, she can clean <laughs> someone else's toilets.
1: Is it because uh, they bring up the possibility of his daughter dying in a terror attack? Like, is that why he's upset, or is it just any interaction with the FBI?
0: Uh I think yeah well it's yeah probably all of the above. I completely forgot about that but yeah you're right. Like yeah as your daughter take the tunnels or whatever. So and we already know Tony was obsessed with those shipping containers at least that one time. So yeah. it's something it's something that's hitting home for him. He was obsessed with it once and then <laughs> forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah, so we get to the actual screening of the the premiere and uh such a fun time uh for everyone involved. I love this. Uh get to see carmine and uh, christopher have their speech and when uh the director goes up to say his (laughs) bit they just start the film yeah and and, or someone just grabs the microphone it's perfect
0: it's it's great yeah such a good moment the
1: the writer of course is like waiting to be mentioned and isn't mentioned even though he wrote this whole (laughs) script as far as i can tell uh yeah the tony gets shout out and all the investors get shout outs anyway they watch it and it's like they they seem to be, like, in the Soprano basement filming it. It's, like, the same angles and everything with the bosses in the basement shouting and everything and throwing things. And I love how all the mob people in AJ2, they're all just kind of like, yeah, looking at each <laughs> other like, this is great. And I'm like, this could be a success, at least, like, cult-wise, because... You know, you always try to make the Sopranos... The Sopranos is great because it appeals to everyone. Everyone can find something in the Sopranos that they enjoy. Yeah. But Cleaver is great because it appeals to exactly the type of people who are depicted in Cleaver. and (laughs) It it appeals to stupid people or people (laughs) who don't care that much about their media having nuance. Not necessarily stupid at all. You know, we're very up our own asses in how we consume media. But like... Yeah, it's just that they're they're just loving it, like really surface level consuming all of it. And I think someone could also enjoy it on like so bad it's good level too. So uh, everyone else is just like, this is clearly you, Tony. Yes. Uh, this is clearly this, and Tony's like, nah. And like him and Christopher look at each other and they're like, ha, great. <laughs> and it's only later that this actually falls into place.
0: Well, and I like that it's like AJ. It's almost like he has a delayed reaction to getting that it's Tony. It's like when he throws a thing at the wall. I think AJ's like, "Oh wait a minute," because <laughs> so even AJ's getting it, and then Carmella has to tell Tony like, "But I, I think that's also perfect because you're not gonna see yourself like you're not gonna always see like the bad parts of yourself. That it's always easy to look at someone else and be like." oh, this is, you do this, 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 and this wrong. Even though deep down you might know that about yourself, you're not going to see it. So I think it does ring very true that Carmilla has to be like, no, that's you. And he's like, what? And then he like kind of plays with it in good fun. Uh, but then, of course, then there are other parts of the movie that are him where it's the boss is having sex with the main character's fiance and kind of yeah. Row reads that first and looks at Carmilla There's just a quick bit where Paulie's just talking on the phone during the movie, and I guess that's just because to show that Paulie's one of those assholes that'll just answer his phone (laughs) and be talking even during a premiere screening.
1: Yeah, and it's also, like, uh, because they're depicting, like, mob stuff, and he's, like, literally saying, like, things they need to do in the world of the mob, like, showing how connected it is. But, like, imagine being uh, Rosalie watching this. Like, her whole family just got fucked by this life her son got murdered and then you watch a film that starts with someone getting murdered yeah like uh, in exactly the way that it actually did happen even if she's in denial about it or whatever uh it's just very strange and then at the after party later someone like gets arrested for violating their bail or whatever <laughs> because it is so linked like all of these factors would probably help in the marketing of Cleaver. Like, did you hear at the launch party of Cleaver, <laughs> yeah. someone got arrested for that's the bail true. thing? <laughs> did you hear that uh, the story by a guy is actually part of the Italian
0: mob? Like, this would all help sell it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, then we have the party. And, well, no, and I love, uh, I mean, it kind of pays off a little bit more later on, but they make the fiancé, like, Asian. And then that's, like, yeah. Christopher's... Uh, defense like he thought he was slick like oh that'll throw everyone off the scent it's like of course it's not adriana i mean adriana wasn't asian
1: (laughs) well that's the thing as well i don't think any of this is intentional on christopher's part because i i genuinely believe him when he's talking about like it was just an idea who i don't know where ideas come from um and that's the thing that tony the reason tony Leaves this towards the end is as he says to Melphy later on, like I know too much about how the subconscious works, which I l- read as like yeah, Christopher might not be doing this intentionally, but he's still doing it, like Although, it's still happening there.
0: I will say I think just based on going back to like whenever it was, I forget if it was just the beginning of this season or if it was like the end of season five. I think Chris knows exactly what he's doing when they first like kidnap JT from like the his speech or whatever, and they want him to write the movie, and the way Chris is like, uh, you know, uh, the, the cunt fiance was boning his boss the whole time. I feel like at that point, he's very aware of what he's doing, but I'm sure... I do believe him in this episode, though, where... Now, you're past the point where you've been working on the script, and he's more in the mindset of like they're creating a movie and they're editing it and they're looking at it in a different light where he's kind of forgotten in a weird way where it all initially came from. Mm. Uh, but I mean, like, that's we're just talking semantics now, but for whatever reason, that's just my read on it because I feel like given that scene earlier in the show where he first kind of comes up with this movie idea and it's the way he's like uh, focusing on it. Uh, he knows exactly what it, what he's doing.
1: Now, I, that's interesting, yeah, because that could be totally right, and it's probably open to interpretation. But sure. I think in the same way that Tony doesn't see himself in the film, yeah. uh, Christopher doesn't see himself in the script. He, yeah. It's just creativity can be so therapeutic, but uh, usually you try to make it not a one-to-one relation, but he's so... You know, bad at it, let's be honest, (laughs) that he just translates his life and just writes it down and goes, yeah, but he doesn't even understand that he's doing it in my mind. But I'd have to rewatch that earlier scene. I I remember that as a great scene. And it was actually part of uh, what's it called? Making of Cleaver, uh, this DVD featurette.
0: Yeah. uh, Making Cleaver, uh, the Sopranos featurette. It is on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I watched it. It was uh, it's it's got a lot of clips from like the episodes. It's basically just a, a a little mockumentary that they did, and it's very comedic because it's just like they clearly just filmed themselves making the scene that is shown in the episode, and then also made sure they had like director's share- chairs that said like Chris Maltasani and and all this, and so Carmine, Chris, and the director are just sitting there bullshitting and talking about how they came up with the idea and making it sound uh you know, much better than it was and, <laughs> and there's some hilarious lines in there where they're talking about the director like oh, a lot of the directors we were looking at we didn't they weren't really in our budget. but then we uh, heard about this uh, up and coming young director and we got in touch with him. And he knew this guy, <laughs> like, so <laughs> and it's very like it's almost like the Office esque in uh, how it's put together. I recommend it, even though it's yeah, it's, it's very comedic um, rather than anything else. But that's how you'd want to put that together, I think.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, um. I I haven't watched it recently. I got to rewatch it. Um. We do have like a... for. Okay.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say for example when they're talking about. Like, the director's saying, like, oh, yes, this is the movie. This is the part where all the B-movie fanboys are going to go crazy in the theater. And the others are, like, mis- uh, like mishearing him and first, like, going, like, oh, what'd you say, B-movie? And then it's, like, femboys. And, then, and he's like,
0: yeah, femboys. <laughs> and femboys? Like, that's the joke. <laughs> uh, we have a quick moment. Again, I guess Blanca is still mad at AJ. And the, the, the initial moment here where Tony like congratulates Chris is kind of like sweet and genuine, which is nice where, you know, it's like, Hey, you, you, you know, you like, you'd mentioned this earlier, you know, you made a movie a hundred years from now, people are going to be watching this and you know, it's good. You finished, you finished the project. Um, I mean, once things get more clear, I guess it's not that that kind of comes back to Tony and it's not a cool thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And uh, so at the same time, we're also getting
1: into the other big thing that's going on, which is leadership now. Uh, Obviously, with the whole cancer situation, it gets even more relevant who's going to take over um, in New York. Um, So we get a bit of that with Phil uh, talking to Tony, and he's, like, talking about... I don't know if they get into it there. He says that being a boss is a young man's game, and Tony just wants someone in charge because everyone's, like pay in light basically everyone's like no one's really in charge so the money isn't flowing as it should
0: yeah yeah and i think they would kind of um they'd guess that this is where things would go with the war and now it's starting to happen but now yeah even though like there was a time where uh tony probably wouldn't want phil in that spot but now he's kind of the, the lesser two evils they i think they'd mention uh doc santoro again here uh, or maybe that comes up during the news that that happens. Uh, I do like before Larry boy gets arrested at the premiere. Uh, they have a quick line from like one of the ladies that's like, I actually, you know, that actors don't make up what they say. And then <laughs> someone else is like, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. They they, they actually, they, you know, like, like it's a revelation to people that there's a script uh, and that people aren't just hanging out, like just riffing <laughs> to make a movie. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Um, and then we do get to this scene where we see a TV show, which I think I started imagining this weird plot line because it felt a little bit out of place. Um, We have series writer, Matthew Weiner, appearing Uh, again which he has before as like a mafia expert and author on tv uh on i guess a real show i'm not familiar with the show but yeah it's like a real interview show and he's there with one i think he's there with one real mafia expert and then we have matthew uh he's there with
0: geraldo rivera who is yeah he's a known he's a famous investigative journalist right Hmm.
1: and they kind of have a a goofy bit where they talk over each other because of the delay uh you and me are familiar with that ha but um but yeah they're just kind of it's basic this is kind of an information dump but kind of a done in a fun way i guess like is the point of this this feels like it could have been added after everything to give a bit more clarity on what's going on i don't think it was but it feels a bit like that
0: yeah yeah just a quick catch up with some of the new york people because i mean like i had mentioned in the last discussion when we when we drop in with Phil we see a couple new faces and I mean maybe we've seen Doc Santoro before but he's clearly become more important to what's going on now that there is this power vacuum and who's going to step in and it is all it's about that and then they have just this reveal that Elliot's the one watching TV but he's kind of like a fanboy now like I guess through his his uh, therapy with Melfi and hearing about Patient X and Tony Soprano. Now he's like all in because he's like, what, you know, I called this Doc Santoro thing a year ago. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of talk in the Soprano sessions about this episode and how it's uh, could be looked at as the Sopranos writers also kind of looking at themselves in a way and wondering like, their legacy, and did we make a pretentious mob show that people just want to see the blood and guts? Because, I mean, they mention it early when they want to add the scenes, like, oh, people are all about the sexy kills. We need yeah. more blood. And uh, <laughs> then they could kind of talk about, like, there's you know a scene coming up where Car- little Carmine's talking about his dream and what he reads from that. And I think there's, there's an interesting take to be had of like how they are poking fun at themselves a bit, and where their own stance is on, like, how will this show be remembered? And is it a show where we were too pretentious uh, and up our own ass and didn't have enough kills? Or did we just try to justify being up our own ass because we threw in some violence and kills? So, I, and, and this episode is a great example of that because there's a cool kill in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it's like they have cleaver where they talk about how they need to add more violence and then they have this super violent scene later um <laughs> which has a lot of blood a lot of blood splat and everywhere yeah. and uh yeah it, it i i find that interesting and it's also like this is in many ways it's a it's very sopranos because it's a very serious episode with what's going on with Johnny dying, but it's also very comedic with everything with Cleaver and like the TV thing we just mentioned where they have like a book, like the wise guide to wise guys or whatever. And, <laughs> yes, like yeah. So it is like distancing itself, looking at it like a silly thing. Um And then also the very serious parts of it and death and everything. So uh yeah, very Sopranos in short.
0: Yeah. And then I think even in this next scene, when Ginny's brother goes to see, johnny and they're talking about feldman and his prognosis uh i believe johnny basically does say like how will i be remembered uh mm. and you know that kind of comes back to where we're at, where we're at with phil later on and then plus tony just in general with how he's dealing with this movie so uh it's 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 uh overflowing this episode uh with with the with the this theme yeah, um, And so after all of those scenes
1: that we just mentioned, uh, we have basically uh, Tony, the, the, the pin dropping for Tony. Is that the expression? I think so. No. Yeah. The what dropping? The ball dropping. Yeah. Something's dropping. Yeah. And he realizes, because Carmelo lays it all out too clear for him to ignore, that it's basically just you in there. And that's very agitating for Tony. And he goes into the bing and just has a chat about it and tries to suss out if other people have also gotten that impression. And because if it's just uh, Carmilla, you know, that, that would be one thing. But I, I guess that's what's going on here, right?
0: Well, yeah, and what's great, too, thinking about it, because uh, we've been talking a lot about people's blind spots and what they pick up, because even though Carm is the one that tells Tony, like, that's you and points out to him when he's in the uh, in his bathrobe in the basement freaking out, she does mention here that Rose the one that had to tell her that the fiance like scene is yeah. Adriana, so she still has her own uh blind spot that she had needed someone else to tell her about, and yeah, you're right, it starts to make it clear to Tony, so then yeah, Tony has to go he talks to what he talks to Silvio here um uh wait, I'm trying to see am I on the right scene, yeah, yeah, they're talking about the movie, so yeah i mm. I think um still has. Still has the line where it's like, you know, I never thought of Christopher like Marty, but oh wow, like <laughs> comparing yes. him to Scorsese. Oh, and I should point out that and Carmela does not only the Adriana thing, but she's like, this is a revenge fantasy, Tony. It ends yep. with the boss getting, uh, you know, killed. So that's mm. the extra exclamation point here. Not only does Christopher think of him as like a bully piece of shit, but also he'd like to see him dead.
1: Exactly, and uh, so Christopher then, he's in a diner, I guess this is a new character, his new sponsor, I assume, is that, am I right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, they just kind of mention, like, sober friend almost, because he points out to the FBI, and he's like, there's my other sober friend, so yeah, it's like a sponsor, and, you know, it, it's, it does kind of explain Christopher's absence, and it's actually better than i guess what i expected like for him not being around in the first episode yeah. and not being around too much before it actually is a healthy choice and i think even the scene before this uh Silvio makes a mention of him not coming around the bing or whatever Mm-mm. uh because yeah he shouldn't be i mean obviously he shouldn't even be around those people but <laughs> he shouldn't <laughs> be hanging out at bars either and around drugs and stuff if he's someone in recovery Uh, So all that stuff makes sense. But, yeah, it is weird that the way they drop this character in, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but this guy's very recognizable to me because, I mean, he's Shooter McGavin and Happy Gilmore, of course, and he's popped up in a bunch of other stuff. So I think even – I didn't steal this from the Sopranos session. They bring it up as well, but I did think the same thing where it's like, oh, is he playing himself because all these other, (laughs) you know – it's feasible at this point that Christopher will be having a sit down with this actor guy, uh, maybe, you know, for some reshoots or putting him in his next project or something, you know?
1: Well, he talks about Christopher says, which is quite funny and quite sweet that he's like, he feels like he's living someone else's life. Uh, which, uh, reminds me of last season or earlier this season, everything, uh, everyone trying to live different lives and not being able to. And he also says like, Oh, you know, uh, maybe it's the other guy who says like oh you're not used to the success yet or like yeah, yeah. I and he says like oh, i know that feeling or whatever so i was also like wait what are you successful at just being not uh addicted anymore or what's going on <laughs> yeah. um but yeah it's a it's a cool scene because this guy like you said he's very recognizable even if he's just in this scene in the whole of the sopranos it's still like ah oh, good good choice there he 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 plays it really well and he Basically lays out, I think they say here that it was three months ago he came into a meeting. Yes, with they that do. woman. So we can then assume that three months have passed since last uh, last part of the season, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Unless, yeah, I mean, it was, unless they had another relapse. But yeah, you're right. It's the more obvious po- thing would good be. Good yeah.
1: <laughs> that is <'Cause>, definitely possible. Because <laughs> it's
0: weird because it feels like it'd been longer than three months. But I mean, you know, I guess a lot can happen in three months
1: yeah that's true um and let's see so how it's, how does this scene end yeah they just the fact that he, the, he he notices that the others are resenting him a bit uh for
0: not being around and they're not going to understand it paulie especially uh yeah <laughs> i like because no. there's still obviously that chris and paulie thing um but yeah he's making a healthy decision but it's you know it's not gonna work out well with the company he keeps especially Tony, who are reading it in a different way, um, and then we check back in with uh Johnny he's just he's telling his carmine stories, smoking some cigs, and Ginny and his daughter come in and kind of catch him um, and uh, yeah, like I was saying before, I just I was surprised at how open he was, like uh, they're telling like a hit story about what a guy who was fucking someone's wife, and Carmine wouldn't approve it because he's making so much money but then you know a few years later he's like you know what remember that guy we talked about take him out and they're like because he wasn't making money anymore like they're yeah it's we they're us you know yes we love the mob <laughs> stories and we're trying to put it together and get to vicariously live that life uh so yeah that's fun yeah and
1: so he he's smoking a cigarette at the start jenny and his daughter comes in puts it out because they're upset but she starts talking about how you know this miracles happen and this negative thinking is probably you know how you got like this in the first place which i feel like uh would be pretty insulting if you're in that situation he brings up like yeah what about all like all the six-year-olds with leukemia i guess they did too much negative thinking um and then she just storms out and she lights another cigarette yeah he, he lights another cigarette
0: yeah and then uh i think from here what we have the dinner scene right with silvio silvio sure and, do we yeah, sure do jerry torciano uh and what do they all oh, they're bullshitting and then he's this guy's even getting a little fresh about phil almost in a very similar to you know my estimation of john Sacrimoni as a man has plummeted he he brings up like oh yeah he got the role and then his heart gave out and Silvio's like yeah what do you mean what are you talking about you know, he like his heart. His heart literally it's came out. Yeah. He lost his balls, and he's like, "Yeah, why don't you just say that?" And then <laughs> their their dates come back, and there's this great scene where Silvio's talking to one of the girls, and then it gets like silent, and like a high pitched sound as bl- blood sprays all over him, and you don't, he doesn't yeah. know what's going on. Even after like the second shot, it takes a moment for him to realize, "Okay, a guy's getting killed." Uh, and it does harken back to what Bobby was just talking about uh, in the previous episode. You know, uh, I don't think you even hear it. It just kind of happens. So Yeah.
1: Which is a line that I forgot to mention at the time, but I felt like... Uh, and I'm just a vague prediction here, but I feel like this is a reference to the end of The Sopranos, and I feel like it's laying a lot of groundwork for episodes to come, but I'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to put too much of an exclamation point on it because the episode doesn't even really, like the the last one we watched. Like it happens, and they cut away to something else, and they cut back. But it's, yeah, I mean, when you see what happens here, it feels like it's completely connected to what Bobby's talking about. Yeah. And you know what? Watching the scene,
1: I think uh, the scene I described as a bit silly on the TV. It's probably necessary because I probably wouldn't have been able to follow what's going on here without it. Because last last episode, we had like a welcome home party and there were like loads of people and everyone was bullshitting. And I was like, I can't like, I don't know who's who and what's what. Um, so what I've gathered is this guy, Jerry, he's like, he might be the guy to take over. That's what Phil wants. Phil called him his protege, but then now this guy is kind of talking shit about Phil. Yeah. uh, And I don't know if he was breaking balls there at the party, call him his favorite turd, or that was someone else. I'm not sure. Uh, But either way, he's clearly, like, one of the potentials and he very much gets taken out here, uh, which is funny because it does seem like no one really wants it, but then all of a sudden, uh, you get blood sp- uh, spattered all over your face.
0: Yes, yep, yeah. And then I like that that Silvio is just like, once he realizes what's happening, he's like, come on, let's go. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, he's not, what is he going to do? Like, fight back for this guy or something? It's just some, I guess, as a friend of his, but it's in New York. And I kind of like that it's always, uh, it's almost like the thing we want or what you would think a Sopranos fan would want because you're watching a mob show. So you always want to see the mob war break out. and it's happening, but it's happening off screen with characters we don't know. I mean, this was on screen, but it's happening with these characters we just met and it's happening in New York. And meanwhile, we're in New Jersey. So it's yet another kind of like, fuck you a little bit from David Chase. Where he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, don't worry is a mob show. Mob wars are happening. Uh, they might not be happening with our characters, but they're happening. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, and they the guy who does it is... Uh, we don't see his face, and I'm not sure if they uh, did one of the classic old pay-any-old fuck to do it or yeah. if they got our, like a real guy to do it. I'm guessing a real guy, but he was just not dressed mobster-like. Well, maybe he was. I don't know. It was like kind of a tracksuit or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was kind of it's interesting how it's it because of who they are it doesn't really matter who did it we know who would have ordered it so that's who really did it
0: (laughs) yeah and and i mean it's it's not that it's not really a direct connection because i mean you could probably connect a mob hit scene to many mob movies but since it's fresh in my mind i don't know if you've watched it yet but the irishman is now out on netflix and it just you know vaguely r- reminded me of that a bit because that's a lot about you know someone who commits hits and death and stuff like that so i i recommend it highly recommend it, it is a long one it's three and a half hours but yeah that's in. the
1: one thing everyone says about it i haven't seen it yet
0: <laughs> um <laughs> tons yeah, of sopranos that- people pop up which is yeah. i guess is to be expected because i mean remember when we watched goodfellas after season one we saw like 40 sopranos actors and that was before getting into later seasons where more Goodfellas actors popped up in Sopranos. Yeah, I
1: think if we were still, uh, if we still had seasons to go, we'd uh, revive our tradition of watching a film between seasons because it feels like it's, you know, one of those films was connected almost as much as the upcoming Sopranos uh, prequel, I think. Um, But I haven't seen it, so what do I know? (laughs) Um, Next scene, we have Tony uh, meeting meeting up with little Carmine at a golf course. And... Tony's basically trying to convince him to take charge, even though Doc just made a move to take charge. Yeah. Um, Tony wants little Carmine. So why do you think that is?
0: Uh, I, I guess it's all... I, the only thing I can gauge from, at least from a viewer's standpoint, is it's these are the devils, at least we know. So I guess I assume yeah. that the devils Tony knows. Yeah. Uh, Doc doesn't look like we... I, we haven't had a lot of interactions with him as, as the audience, he doesn't look like he'd be that crazy, but I guess if he's doing stuff like this and Tony, it's they're kind of showing there's apprehension from Tony to want him in the spot. Uh, yeah, so, he calls him
1: senile, and he doesn't like that Silvio was used as a diversion, yes. as he calls it.
0: Yeah, yes, that's right. So, like, that's kind of enough for me to be like, yeah, okay, if this is what Tony wants, then we don't want Doc to be the guy. Yeah.
1: And this is a really great uh, scene because, like, uh Carmine's great at bullshit uh but then, like, he has something actually genuine here that he says. Yep. And it's something that also gets Tony thinking. Um, it, it's, it is, like, absurd. Like, I keep bringing up every time little Carmine's on screen. I'm like, how is this guy still around? Remember this thing? <laughs> and this is where Tony basically goes like, oh, yeah, I remember that thing. Do you want to be boss? Like, we'll, we'll make you boss. And he doesn't want it. Um, and he tells this story about a, a dream, um, which should be really boring because who wants to hear about other people's dreams? But Tony gets really uh, into it and the metaphor or whatever you know we love a metaphor here yeah um is that it's happiness he needs to gather not like fucking bullets or whatever he does like it's not about being boss he he needs to find happiness and that's the thing with tony of course that is constantly going on Uh, and it's very present in this episode that being boss is you know terrible johnny mentions it and everyone is aware to a certain extent uh but yeah that's That's pretty much it. Tony, Tony comes in going like, you should do this. And even though he doesn't mean to, Carmine kind of comes off saying, no, you should do this. Like you should focus more on trying to be happy. (laughs) He's going to take that advice. No, it's the Sopranos.
0: (laughs) Well, and I just love the idea that, you know, this is the, the shows, one of the shows fools, one of the idiots that they always play up for laughs and they give him this moment. That's, you know, very deep in understanding uh where you know tony takes a certain read from the dream initially cuz yeah he's with his dad who's 100 years old and he gives him a box and he's disappointed because it's empty and then tony's like well yes of course that means you need to fill up that hole inside yourself become a boss like your father yeah. but he has the better read from it no i i should be happy uh, between that and also you know he has <laughs> what he has a daily routine where he comes home and skinny dips and then his wife comes i mean it sounds like a glorious like what a way to end every day <laughs> you know you go skinny yeah. dipping in a nice pool and then your wife comes out gives you a drink and then you go up in a nice warm bed uh, and then you have another drink and a sweet night with your wife but you know he was exhausted he didn't get to have that and he, he listened again to some advice like i don't want to be the richest widow in long island uh which the the only other thing is just kind of like we've also been told you cannot leave this life but i guess he's he's playing a little bit of the middle he's not saying i i'm not gonna do this i'm not a part of this but i'm not gonna be boss and i'm not gonna like get involved in that shit I'll, i'll keep i guess he does The movie business like those types of deals club promotions from the stuff they talk about i guess as long as he's making money everyone's kind of cool with it yeah i mean he's he can't be a made man right like there's no way uh i don't know i feel like maybe he is just because his father was boss but then again i don't know that's a good question aj is never gonna
1: be made though so (laughs) that's true like because he was just fucking around down in Miami when Tony first went to see him to sort of get things settled with his dad or whatever. So I always got the impression that he was just fucking around having his jacuzzi life. uh, And then, you know, all of this happened. I did want to mention that he, he does the, what was it? The, the, I forget what it was, but we referenced it already. When he says the wrong word, he's great for always saying the wrong word. Yes. And, what, even in his sweet uh, story, he calls he says that in his dream he gave his father a mellifluous box. And I was like, <laughs> if I don't know what a word means, then he definitely doesn't know what a word means. And I had to Google it, and it's uh, when you're describing a sound, it's uh, pleasingly smooth and musical to hear. So her low, mellifluous voice. A box cannot be mellifluous, so I just wanted to mention
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. Now I'm spacing on what they call that, um, where you're well, saying the wrong shit. Yes, man, <sighs> eh, whatever. But uh, God damn it, I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. Uh, well, it's great though; that. they do it a lot. As it's like a, <laughs> as we've it's like a malaprism or something like that. I forget malapsism. Yeah, know. I'm like I'm doing his thing where I <laughs> yes, solipsism. <laughs> oh, a malaprop. The mistaken use of a word in place of a similar sounding one, often with unintentionally amusing effect. Yes. So I was close. I love those. Uh, But yeah, no, and he's a great character for that. And he also like, I don't know, he has this aloof quality about him. I don't know if that's just like from the way he looks or if he just can, I'll give him more credit as an actor. He just knows how to play that part, but he's great at it.
1: Yeah. Um, So a couple of quick scenes to follow where Johnny's, not feeling great. Ginny's there as well. He talks, she talks to this ex doctor and he gives his theory about why he's smoking and that. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Then we, well, it's, it's I'm, so
0: funny that she's going to him and I, yeah. I there's like, a, I think there is a quick shot of the doctor, like looking at like, Oh, what the fuck? Like, yeah, <laughs> they're not <laughs> respecting the actual doctor. They're going to, he's like a prison orderly, but I mean, I guess he was a doctor uh but it's just a just a fun little detail there and um yeah that's where he kind of says like oh the smoking thing it's you know john was a boss and this is kind of another just a small way of taking control over his own death and uh having you know some sort of choice in when what's happening
1: yeah and so then we have christopher with his actual baby i don't think we've seen before um in uh in the soprano house and they're about to leave and carmilla's there with the baby and she kind of can't stop herself from uh telling telling christopher off probably would have been better for everyone if she didn't bring up this uh yeah. but she mentions that you know that uh, it's clearly about tony and about adriana and everything and he doesn't like what she's inferring and i think he plays it very cool and everything and he Probably should have just left it there, but he doesn't. Um, goes off to beat up the writer and tell him that he has to tell Tony that it was his idea. And I'm when he's doing that, I'm just like trying to imagine in what situation that can possibly come up. And he just kind of has to construct that situation. Yeah. And he does a fairly good job of it. And it probably would have worked if he didn't have a fucking scar on his head <laughs> because uh, he just got beaten up and Tony knows Christopher. Um, so he, I think he just puts everything together.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, in between that, there's another quick, well, there's a scene with Johnny and uh, Feldman where he kind of concurs with the prognosis that things don't look good and maybe yeah. there isn't years to have uh, to have here. I guess he's each. He, and again, going back to like stupid TV tropes and I guess what other shows would do and maybe they've trained me to expect stupid things. But there's that moment when he's telling Johnny about the hit that happened, like uh, how, you know, what does he say? Torciano got hit. I'm expecting it to, like, give Johnny some reason to live or something like what (laughs) they hit him. Uh, How could they? And then all of a sudden he, like, gets the fire and vigor back in him. And, you know, at least hangs on for a bit longer to make sure the family has leadership. But no, of course, like, that's not (laughs) why would that happen?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So then we have the two scenes where um, Christopher goes and threatens the writer. So like he says, not only does he not get credit for his own ideas, he has to pass off Christopher's shit ideas as his own. And, yeah, he does it, uh, goes to the Bing and just kind of hangs out and says that it's all. Ins- it was all inspired by this other film. And it's a bit unnatural. Tony does see through it, but he does go home and watch the film. And there is someone in a dressing gown yelling a lot. Like yeah. I assume that is the film, right? That's yeah, no,
0: I, I agree. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, and and yeah. you're right. I feel like it would almost have worked in, even in a way that, like, Tony knows it's not true, but he'll use it to save face. Uh, yeah. But just the fact that it's just so obvious because he's got a big gash <laughs> by his eye that, all right, you know, you were told like this makes it even more true because Christopher clearly, you know, made you come and tell me this. Um, yeah. So it like makes it more clear to Tony that it's, it's him. Uh, what the hell was the, the movie they watched too? Um, uh, shit, do they even have it listed here? I had it pulled up before, but.
1: <clears throat> um uh let's see uh nope it's not this it has got to be somewhere in here uh, i don't know i don't have it yeah i'll look it up later don't worry about it sorry people born
0: yesterday it's yes. from the film
1: born yesterday supposedly
0: yes okay and i almost have to wonder like is there some real um like inspiration for Tony Soprano from that? Are they pulling from, is are they getting a little meta there? Cause it's, it is great that it does fully work. I do give, uh, I do give him credit for pulling that out of his ass to try to, 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 to make Tony believe it was real, but it's just what pushes Tony. Cause then are we with Melfi after that, after Tony watches the movie?
1: Yeah. Uh, I definitely think that, uh, it, there's gotta be some real inspiration behind there. Uh, yeah. uh, just opening up the article here for Born Yesterday, it uh, says that uh, you could it got censored a lot. Um, they couldn't even have them say the word broad, so it can't be very close to The Sopranos. But it's exactly the type of era and pool of movies that I feel like they pull from for Tony Soprano. But it doesn't con- uh, convince Tony. And the next scene with Melfi is... Uh, quite touching I would say he's actually hurt as as Melfi states like oh you're hurt like and he's like yeah and he's crying and it's uh, like he's seen through it and he's not mad for once he's just sad
0: yeah yeah I agree it's uh it's very real but also it's kind of like but that's it's because that's what you are Tony you are a bully like I know you're remembering you're remembering when you pushed him on his bike or whatever it was when they had like good times. Chris does remember those as well. Cause he's brought them up, but he also remembers that then when, <laughs> you know, Tony B Tony showed egg. up, yeah. Tony yeah. egg showed up, you, you know, bullied him and made fun of him. And yeah. we've seen this happen many a times, but yeah, he does state basically what, this is the image of me that he leaves the world. Uh, yeah. and you know, this is what he thinks of me. Like, the, like he wants me dead, and I, I get it. It, I mean, it obviously would hurt, but he's still not quite grasping his own responsibility in that.
1: That's true. Maybe like yeah, he he does turn a bit towards anger when he's like, all I did for this kid, and he hates me so much. And as Melfi points out, he probably does love you too, which I think is true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it's it's pretty rough. And as he says, also like. Uh, Uh, Which is something I forget about, but like Christopher is Carmella's cousin, and his father was like the Tony, the Tony to Tony. Like (laughs) he was like his mentor. And so there's a lot of connections. Anyway, it ends on the line there where he says, where she says that it's. You know, maybe he's just reading too much into it. And Tony says that I've been coming here for years, which I'm so sick of him hearing him say he's been saying that since season two. (laughs) Uh, But he says, I've been coming here for years. I know too much about the subconscious now, which is a better twist, because usually he says, I've been coming here for years. Uh, Why am I not better? This is bullshit. But now he says, I know too much about the subconscious, meaning uh, Christopher wrote this into the film, even if he didn't mean to it's still the image he has of me put up there for everyone to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and what's, Oh, after that, Oh, we have, then we have Johnny's scene, uh, with, yeah. with his family. And yeah, I mean, was, was Johnny sack in the first, was he in the pilot? Cause I know, I think his first scene is like, remember Tony takes Carm out, uh, to like a nice restaurant to like make up for something. And then, oh. um, <laughs> he's at the bar talking to johnny sack and she's like yeah i thought we were going out to dinner not me you and johnny fucking sack uh if it's not the pilot it's one of the early episodes obviously but yes character we've been with for a long time and as you mentioned you know even enough where we've seen enough of his family uh and his daughters and stuff like that and it really is he's gotten to the point where he's out of sight out of mind with everyone where no one knows this is happening and it's, you know, he's scared, it's scary, it's sad. Uh He mentions his mother. Ginny, I guess, does go through the bargaining stage where she almost wants to offer him a cigarette because maybe he won't go. Um, yeah. It's rough.
1: Yeah, and this is in the same episode that has, like, all the hilarious Cleaver stuff, so <laughs> yeah. they're really, like, slaloming between emotions here and doing it very well. Uh it, Johnny Sack's first... Scene is in the sixth episode of oh, okay. like Soprano. All
0: right, so uh, I was, I was he's, a little he's, too early, but yeah, okay.
1: It's yeah. Season one, at least. They keep introducing characters and going like, hey, you've been around forever, but he actually has been around forever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is him Him going out, and he got great scene, and uh, they, uh, the the brother-in-law there comes over and tells everyone they have some drinks in his honor, and usually in these scenes, I'm like, can you try to kill each other at some point. But, you know, water under the bridge.
0: And, yeah, I do want to, and especially call, I mean, obviously, every, like, pretty much every actor is great on this show. But, yeah, Vincent Curritola as Johnny Sack, like, amazing. Like, great, great performance, like, through the end between yeah. his, uh, it's always great moments where he'd get mad and uh, his voice would raise. Because uh, I think it's, it's him that's like, yeah, what are we, the fucking UN now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, I think when um, – I, I forget if he's if – he's, I don't know if he's on the toilet when he does that because I'm remembering the scene when he's on the toilet, like, smoking a cigarette, getting mad. But then when he talks about raining a shit storm, like you've never seen. Like, a lot of great classic lines um, – and yeah i mean this scene's great too like just you could see the fear in his eyes and all that but yeah then we got like you said we're at the bing um they have a toast to him and paulie makes it about how he beat cancer which is- <laughs> yeah i'm
1: always like what is paulie talking about and i think everyone else is too because uh, he says some weird quote. i think i have it here uh Ride the painted pony, let the spinning wheel glide, and everyone just kind of looks at him.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess he's misquoting something. He's misquoting a um, "Blood, Sweat, and Tears" song, "Spinning Wheel." Uh, uh, I guess he's saying it wrong. Um, but yeah, and it's just—I I guess that's a way to let us know that Polly's cancer is not a thing to worry about anymore. But it is—it's—it yeah. is also a Polly move to bring that up for him like i beat cancer he didn't that's how it goes and i mean he had his own history with johnny sack where he thought he was maybe next yeah. in line and then he i guess he has hated him ever since so yeah. it, it works <laughs> sure it does and so we're back with phil and like again
1: i'm like phil's holding the speech about his brother the guy who got killed by tony egg and for half of the scene i'm like is he not talking about Johnny Sack? Like, because obviously he doesn't care that much about Johnny Sack. His estimations fallen so much, but like, he's actually like, there's a big like memorial thing, and I'm just you know confused by the fact that it's not about Johnny Sack. Yeah, you no, know, it's to bring up again the pain that he had to suffer uh, with his brother. Yeah, and they have this long talk. Well, yeah, he holds a speech to a bunch of kids about the family name <laughs> and changing the name at Ellis Island and everything, and I. I I'm not uh saying it's invalid I'm sure that did happen but also a lot of people would voluntarily change their names too to something that's you know more consumable uh in the Americas as far as my understanding so this sort of rage of like they were upset and they made us change our name to a fucking skirt like <laughs> that's part or like to a fucking dancing outfit it's like the the rage there is you know, partially misplaced, I feel. Uh, but yeah, they changed it to Leotardo. Uh, it's a great story, and it's enough to give him the fighting spirit that we didn't get from Johnny. It's very clear by the end that he's like, no more of this shit uh, by the end of it. Yeah. And I honestly feel like Johnny dying had nothing to do with it. Did no. Phil even notice?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't... Th- he does kind of look at his picture after, so they do acknowledge that he d- is aware of it. But uh, I, I mean the biggest, one of the big takeaways from this is the fact he's having a birthday party for his dead brother <laughs> yeah. he died. Like, I mean, not to stake that. I mean, obviously that's a big deal, but it's just the fact that they have a cake and all the candles on it and everything are lit. Like that says so much about Phil as a character and how like important this is. And, you know, he puts his ashes up above the bar. And I love that there's this, like, the way he's, like, holding court. And it's, like, a almost a classroom. The way yeah. it's, like, all his nieces and nephews or what have you. And they have to, like, raise their hand. And he calls on them. And he's, like, quizzing them and stuff like that. Um yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But I like that there's this... You know, it's, I guess, this fire by, uh, this fire is building between regret, like he talks about how, you know, he kept his mouth shut for what, because some of these pieces of shit that I've protected, and, you know, of course, going back to his brother Billy and uh, how that all shaked out, uh, you know, what is his legacy? What What is he going to be remembered as, the guy who made the wrong decisions in some of these biggest moments in his life, or is he going to do something about it? Yeah.
1: For sure. Um, so I feel like he's going to do something about it the, the way it ends there. And I'm like, yeah, momentum. That's the thing hmm. you're always uh, happy about. And it's also like this weaselly character that was introduced yeah. at the end of last part of the season that c- came in like, ah, yeah, we should kill Tony Soprano. <laughs> and then he slides up next to him, Phil, and just talks about this shit and about how Phil's a real man. And, you know, like we said, he's regretting it, etc. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, like I said, it's a very, uh, well... We almost skipped the last scene here where yeah. there's the actual christening of Christopher's son. Great connection to, you know, Tony talking about when he was a baby and holding him. And they have this uh, nice connection and like look at each other's eyes and he's the godfather. He's actually the godfather yeah. now. <laughs> and uh, they have a big hug. And then we kind of see Christopher going like, Ugh. and we see Tony go like, because mm. <laughs> it's all like, mm, mm, what's going on here? Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's, he's, He's godfather by default, you know, both in being the godfather of the family. And, I mean, is Chris going to pick someone else to be the godfather of his child? Of course not. But uh, there's, you know, things are brimming there. Things aren't quite as good as they should be. And we'll see what that means for the rest of the season.
1: Yep. Yep um so before we wrap up i I don't know if we should do this email now or just kind of save emails and do them all in a special episode or something what do you think jim or should we just go through some of this now i completely
0: forgot that you had mentioned there was an email for this one uh you know what let's do it let's do it now
1: Okay, it's just because it mainly goes into stuff from the previous seasons. Uh, But, yeah, this is from uh, Mikey, who says, Hi, guys. Uh, I know I'm late to the party, but I recently got into podcasts as I listened to them all day at work. As an avid Sopranos fan, I decided to rewatch the series and see if I could find a podcast that is doing the same. I'm glad to have spent this past summer rewatching and listening to you guys break it down. It's also especially great that Jacob hasn't seen it before because I find myself wondering what someone who doesn't know what's next is thinking. And uh, Mikey sent us some trivia here uh, of stuff we've talked about, so I'll just read them out for you uh, in a bit of a summary. Uh, the actor who plays Vito appeared in season one as the guy Christopher tells to take a walk so he could shoot the bakery cashier in the foot. In the foot. Uh, so if you rewatch that scene, Vito's in there.
0: I, uh, oh, yep. I was just going to say, I'm almost positive I I did mention that in one of our discussions, but yes, it's it's it is a fun little factoid the one yeah he he's his name's a he's a different character's name but yeah he comes in and it's it's him uh and yeah he tells him to get the fuck out of there so he can shoot the uh the the baker in the foot yep and so another quick one this is just
1: kind of trivia uh from season two when richie gets shot as his chair is falling backwards you can see a hand come up from under the table and grab the chair uh, so we may need
0: to look at yeah, that. Yeah, I, for... I haven't seen that, so that's interesting. I'd like to check that out.
1: Yeah. Season three, I remember you guys talking about the scene where they go to the funeral director after Livia dies. What's great about this scene is if you watch The Godfather, it's almost the same scene when Sonny dies and Don Vita goes to the funeral director, except Tony and Janice get into it, and it goes hilariously off the rails.
0: That's interesting. So, yeah.
1: Interesting parallel there. And uh, season four, when Janice and Bobby sit down to dinner, a lot of fans thought the ghost of Karen moves Janice's wine glass. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I don't know what the seed is. Um, uh, I'm sure it's thought the.
0: I'm. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll finish that. The, the thought first.
1: A lot of fans thought the ghost of Karen moves Janice's wine glass as they're about to eat her last ziti. Um and okay and it says I always believe she just moved the placement but or the placemat but who knows uh so I have the scene here it's ten seconds I'm just gonna watch it real quick and give okay. them my estimation okay the wine is okay okay well that it's right, probably Sopranos fans are I actually Sopranos fans are stupid if that's a big discussion I <laughs> have clearly
0: just moving the wine I was gonna say I'm not watching the scene but I would almost just from. Reading it, I would gather maybe it's just like also a continuity flubs happen all the time when you're shooting takes or even in the editing room, you want to use a specific take, but uh, you think it's just something where she moves it.
1: No, I, I, I thought that too. I thought it was a continuity error, but it's a, it's a one shot. It's just her hand is out of frame and the wine glass moves seemingly <laughs> without anyone moving it. But like they wouldn't just have a ghost like that wouldn't be an intentional thing. So she, they clearly used this take because it had the best acting and she just happens to move it and you don't see the hand. And they uh, didn't okay. think that people online would say it was a ghost.
0: <laughs> okay, what else we got?
1: Uh, Okay, season five, when Tony is chasing Phil for his money, the song Rock the Cash Bar is playing, which is hilarious because it's a song inspired by the ban on Western music in Iran. Mikey, you're going really deep here. Uh, Song inspired by the ban of Western music in Iran after the 1979 Islamic Revolution. And Tony always calls Phil the Shah of Iran.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, he has meant they have called him the Shah of Iran before. So, yeah, I remember that. And I Googled that and I was
1: like, yeah, it does look similar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep that is a deep cut.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's it for the trivia. Uh, also in here, uh, he says, I love the storm out and death counters, although you guys never counted one of my favorite storm outs from the season three finale when Tony storms out of the bedroom after fighting with Carm. To me, this is definitely a legit storm out. Um, oh, shoot. He did include the scene as well. Yeah, we may need to review that.
0: Let me pull it up. Do we need to add it to the. Let me see. Submit Audie Murphy was an army of one. Is that what we're preparing him for? A career in the military? No. No. One day
1: at a time. You want to train him to be a professional killer? Oh, will you stop? They're soldiers. And the United States Army, never goes to war anymore. They were marching <laughs> with rifles, Tony. They're symbolic. The barrels are plugs! Symbolic of what? Respect! He will be subjected to the discipline of kids hardly older than himself. Does that seem smart? Boys his age still killed frogs and small animals.
0: The Kuzomano's binky? The cherry bomb with the nails in it. You think it was AJ?
1: No, that is what I'm trying to tell you. He is still a child. He's a normal child. He's made some mistakes, and God knows he's got a shitload to learn about life. That does not mean that I'm going to let you send him to the type of school whose whole reason for being is to make him follow orders by instilling fear. He thinks the world owes him a fucking living. What could have given him that bizarre idea? We tried it your way for 15 years now with the Barry Brazelton and validating his feelings, and that fucking school did the same thing, and what a surprise! He thinks the world runs on his feelings! Well, he's gonna go learn to be a man! I will not send him to that place!
0: Oh, the fuck that! Oh, yeah, Allow okay. me? I remember now. <laughs>
1: Jim, if, we didn't, if uh. we didn't count this, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he keeps are slamming we, the are door. Are we sure
0: we didn't count this? That's because, what I'm wondering. Uh, I'm wondering if we actually counted it, though. It
1: seems like we would have, but maybe we just didn't think about it because sometimes we skip a death and we're like, oh, yeah, that guy died. So we could definitely have missed the fact that there's a storm out, but that is such a storm out. It you know what? obviously count.
0: I'm going to count it now, and we'll have to go back. I'll go back and listen to this episode to see if we counted or not. If we did count it, I'll have to take it off of the board but right now i'm gonna uh put it on the board uh let me see where's the okay here we go fuck you oh it's been so long (laughs) since i've heard that sweet
1: fuck you uh we're at 17 storm outs for the moment we
0: didn't uh we we completely forgot to put fucking johnny sack on the death counter though so we do got to add another one to the death counter
1: let's do it
0: puts us up at 68 Did anyone else die this episode?
1: It Seems like we always don't. We just, I can't believe we're arguing like, did we not count that storm out? And someone, a main character dies this episode and we don't count it. Clearly we didn't
0: count the storm out, Jim. Wait, we uh oh we did we didn't count Jerry Torciano, I don't think, dude. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're I, right. We I, gotta yeah. count we get caught up in the in the deaths because we're just like discussing it. But yeah, we also gotta put Jerry Torciano up on the fucking death counter. So mate, we did get one extra on the storm out, so we gotta add two to the death. Yeah.
1: Gotcha, the And more importantly, we've now reached the sex number. <laughs> it's sixty-nine deaths, everybody. Woo! <laughs> uh, um, that's okay. pretty much it um mikey wraps up with saying i am now going to watch along with you guys once per week until the end thanks for reading nice. thank you for sending in your yes. email um you can reach us uh what's the address jim
0: oh you can email us at shows what you know show at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter shows what you know that's you the letter you shows what you know on mm. twitter
1: very true. And uh, yeah, once again, that's shows what you know, Show at gmail.com. Uh, we also have launched our new show. Real History is available at shows what you Uh You can also find all of our other shows there like Blank Meets Blank and coverage of shows like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel coming back pretty much now. Uh, a Fantastic show. We try to mention it every episode.
0: And besides that, um,
1: what else is there, Jim? I don't think. Th-
0: oh, I think there's one thing, Jim. Oh, well, there's just one more thing left to say, and that is cut to black. Cut to black.